Welcome to today's Triple Z. The Triple Z Podcast is a daily program that you can use to help you fall asleep each night. Just turn down the volume, lay back, relax, and enjoy as you fall asleep. The Life and Achievements of Don Quixote de la Mancha is a Spanish epic novel by Miguel de Cervantes. Originally published in two parts, in 1605 and 1615, its full title is The Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha. A founding work of Western literature, it is often labeled as the first modern novel and one of the greatest works ever written. Don Quixote is also one of the most translated books in the world. If you enjoy our program, Please be sure to write us a review on your podcast platform and share us with a friend. You both might sleep just a little better at night. Our website is triple Z, that's three Z's dot media. You can also like and share our content on Facebook or our Instagram account ZZZ Media Podcast. Music for today's episode was provided by the Sleep Channel on Spotify. Chapter 79 What happened to Sancho Panza as he went the rounds in his island? We left our mighty governor much out of humor with that saucy knave of a countryman who, according to the instructions he had received from the steward and the steward from the duke, had bantered his worship with his impertinence. Yet, as much a dunce and fool as he was, he made his party good against them all. At last, addressing himself to those about him, among whom was Dr. Pedro Rizzio, who had ventured into the room again, now, said he, do I find in good earnest that judges and governors must be made of brass, that they may be proof against the importunities of those that pretend business, who, at all hours and at all seasons, would be heard and dispatched, without any regard to any body but themselves. Now if a poor judge does not hear and dispatch them presently either because he is otherwise busy and cannot, or because they do not come at a proper season, then do they grumble and give him their blessing backwards, rake up the ashes of his forefathers, and would gnaw his very bones. But with your leave, good Mr. Busybody, with all your business, you are too hasty, pray have a little patience and wait a fit time to make your application. Do not come at dinner time or when a man is going to sleep, for we judges are flesh and blood and must allow nature what she naturally requires, unless it be poor I, who am not to allow mine any food, thanks to my friend Mr. Dr. Pedro Rizio Tertiafura, here present, who is for starving me to death, and then vows it is for the preservation of my life. All that knew Sancho wondered to hear him talk so sensibly and began to think that offices and places of trust inspired some men with understanding as they stupefied and confounded others. However, Dr. Pedro promised him he should sup that night, though he trespassed against all the rules of Hippocrates. This pacified the governor and made him wait with a mighty impatience for the evening. To his thinking, The hour was so long coming that he fancied time stood still, but yet at last the wished for moment came and they served him up some minced beef with onions and some calf's feet, somewhat stale. 
The hungry governor presently fell to with more eagerness and appetite than if they had given him Roman pheasants or Lavajos geese. And after he had pretty well taken off the sharp edge of his stomach, turning to the physician, Look you, quoth he, Mr. Doctor, hereafter never trouble yourself to give me dainties or tidbits to humor my stomach, that would but take it quite off the hinges, by reason it has been used to nothing but good beef, bacon, pork, goat's flesh, turnips, and onions, and if you ply me with your kickshaws, your nice courier's fare, it will but make my stomach squeamish and untoward, and I should perfectly loathe them one time or another. However, I shall not take it amiss if Master Sewer will now and then give me one of those Alia Padritas, and the stronger they are the better, where all sorts of good things are stewed, and, as it were, lost in one another, and I shall remember him and make him amends one of these days. But let nobody put tricks upon travelers and make a fool of me, for either we are or we are not. Let us be merry and wise. When God sends his light, he sends it to all. I will govern this island fair and square without underhand dealings or taking of bribes, but take notice, I will not bait an inch of my right, and therefore let every one carry an even hand and mind their hits, or else I would have them to know there are rods and pickle for them. They that urge me too far shall rue for it. Make yourself honey, and the flies will eat you. Indeed, my lord governor, said the steward, your lordship is much in the right in all you have said, and I dare engage for the inhabitants of this island that they will obey and observe your commands with diligence, love, and punctuality, for your gentle way of governing in the beginning of your administration does not give them the least opportunity to act or to design anything to your lordship's disadvantage. I believe as much, answered Sancho, and they would be silly wretches should they offer to do or think otherwise. Let me tell you too, it is my pleasure you take care of me and my dapple that we may both have our food as we ought, which is the most material business. Next let us think of going the rounds when it is time for me to do so, for I intend to clear this island of all filth and rubbish, of all rogues and vagrants, idle fellows and sturdy beggars. For I would have you to know, my good friends, that your slothful, lazy, lewd people in a commonwealth are like drones in a beehive that waste and devour the honey which the laboring bees gather. I design to encourage the husbandmen, preserve the privileges of the gentry, reward virtuous persons, and, above all things, reverence religion and have regard to the honor of religious men. What think you of this? My good friends, do I talk to the purpose or do I talk idly? You speak so well, my Lord Governor, answered the steward, that I stand in admiration to hear you utter so many notable things and in every word a sentence far from what they who have sent you hither and they who are here present ever expected from your understanding. But every day produces some new wonder, jests are turned into earnest and those who design to laugh at others happen to be laughed at themselves. It being now night and the governor having supped, he prepared to walk the rounds and set forward, attended by the steward, 
the secretary, the gentleman waiter, the historiographer who is to register his acts, several sergeants, and other limbs of the law, so many in number that they made a little battalion in the middle of which the great Sancho marched with his rod of justice in his hand in a notable manner. They had not walked far before they heard the clashing of swords, which made them hasten to the place whence the noise came. Being come thither, they found only two men fighting, who gave over on perceiving the officers. What? cried one of them at the same time, do they suffer folks to be robbed in the town, in defiance of heaven and the king, do they let men be stripped in the middle of the street? Hold, honest man, said Sancho, have a little patience, and let me know the occasion of this fray, for I am the governor. My lord, said the other party, I will tell you in a few words. Your lordship must know that this gentleman, just now, at a gaming ordinary over the way, one above a thousand reals, I stood by all the while, and gave judgment for him in more than one doubtful cast, though I could not well tell how to do it in conscience. He carried off his winnings, and when I expected he would have given me a crown gratuity, up he got, and went away without giving me anything. I ran after him, not very well pleased with his proceeding, yet very civilly desired him to consider I was his friend, that he knew me to be a gentleman, though fallen to decay, that I had nothing to live upon, my friends having brought me up to no employment, and therefore I entreated him to be so kind as to give me eight rails, but the stingy soul would give me but four sneaking rails. And now, my lord, you may see how little shame and conscience there is in him. But had not your lordship come just in the nick, I would have made him disgorge his winnings and taught him the difference between a rook and a jackdaw. What say to this? cried Sancho to the other. The other may answer that he could not deny what his antagonist had said, that he would give him but four reals, because he had given him money several times before, and they who expect benevolence should be mannerly and be thankful for what is given them without haggling with those that have won, unless they know them to be common cheats, and the money not won fairly, and that to shew he was a fair gamester, and no sharper. As the others said, there needed no better proof than his refusal. To give him anything, since the sharpers are always in fee with these bully rocks, who know them, and wink at their cheats. That is true, said the steward. Now what would your lordship have us to do with these men? I will tell you, said Sancho, first, you that are the winner, whether by fair play or by foul, give your bully back here a hundred rails immediately, and thirty more for the poor prisoners, and you that have nothing to live on, and were brought up to no employment, and go sharping up and down from place to place, pray take your hundred rails, and be sure by tomorrow to go out of this island and not to set foot in it again these ten years and a day, unless you have a mind to make an end of. Your banishment in another world, for if I find you here, I will make you swing on a gibbet with the help of the hangman. Away, and let nobody offer to reply, or I will lay him by the heels. Thereupon the one dispersed, and the other received, the first went home, and the last went out of the island, 
and then the governor, going on, either I shall want of my will, said he, or I will put down these disorderly gaming houses, for I have a fancy they are highly prejudicial. One of the officers now came holding a youth, and having brought him before the governor, if it please your worship, said he, this young man was coming towards us, but as soon as he perceived it was the rounds, he sheared off, and set a running as fast as his legs would carry him a sign he is no better than he should be. What made you run away, friend, said Sancho? Sir, answered the young man, it was only to avoid the questions one is commonly teased with by the watch. What business do you follow? asked Sancho. I am a weaver by trade, answered the other. A weaver of what? asked the governor. Of steelheads for lances, with your worship's good leave, said the other. Oh, oh, cried Sancho, you are white I find, and pretend to pass your jests upon us. Very well. And pray whither are you going at this time of night? To take the air, if it like your worship, answered the other. Good, said Sancho, and where do they take the air in this island? Where it blows, said the youth. A very proper answer, cried Sancho. You are a very pretty impudent fellow, that is the truth of it. But pray make account that I am the air, or the wind, which you please, and then I will blow you to the roundhouse. Here, take him and carry him away thither directly, I will take care the youngster shall sleep out of the air tonight, he might catch cold else by lying abroad. You shall as soon make me a king, said the young man, as make me sleep out of the air tonight. Why, ye young slipstring, said Sancho, is it not in my power to commit thee to prison, and fetch thee out again as often as it is my will and pleasure? For all your power, answered the fellow, you shall not make me sleep in prison. Say you so, cried Sancho, here, away with him to prison, and let him see to his cost who is mistaken, he or I, and, lest the jailer should be greased in the fist to let him out, I will fine him in two thousand ducats if he let thee stir a foot out of prison. All that is a jest, said the other, for I defy all mankind to make me sleep this night in a prison. Hast thou some angel, said Sancho, to take off the irons which I will have thee clapped in, and get thee out? Well now, my good lord governor, said the young man very pleasantly, let us talk reason, and come to the point. Suppose your lordship should send me to jail, and get me laid by the heels in the dungeon, shackled and manacled, and lay a heavy penalty on the jailer in case he let me out, and suppose your orders be strictly obeyed, yet for all that, if I have no mind to sleep, but will keep awake all night, without so much as shutting my eyes, pray can you, with all the power you have, make me sleep whether I will or no? No, certainly, said the secretary, and the young man has made out his meaning. Well, said Sancho, but I hope you mean to keep yourself awake, and only forbear sleeping to please your own fancy, and not to thwart my will? I mean nothing else indeed, my lord, said the lad. Why then, go home and sleep, 
quoth Sancho, and heaven send thee good rest, I will not be thy hindrance. But have a care another time of sporting with justice, for you may meet with some in office that may chance to break your head while you are breaking your jest. The youth went his way, and the governor continued his rounds. A while after came two of the officers, bringing a person along with them. My lord governor, said one of them, we have brought here one that is dressed like a man, yet is no man, but a woman, and no ugly one either. Thereupon they lifted up to her eyes two or three lanterns, and by their light discovered the face of a woman about sixteen years of age, beautiful to admiration, with her hair put up in a network call of gold and green silk. Sancho was surprised at her beauty, and asked her who she was, whither she was going, and upon what account she had put on such a dress. Sir, said she, casting her eyes on the ground with a decent bashfulness, I cannot tell you before so many people what I have so much reason to wish may be kept a secret. Only this one thing I do assure you, I am no thief, nor evil-minded person, but an unhappy maid whom the force of jealousy has constrained to transgress the laws of decorum. The steward hearing this, my lord governor, said he, be pleased to order your attendants to retire, that the gentlewoman may more freely tell her mind. The governor did accordingly, and all the company removed to a distance, except the steward, the gentleman waiter, and the secretary, and then the young lady thus proceeded. I am the daughter of Pedro Perez Mazorca, farmer of the wool in this town, who comes very often to my father's house. This will hardly pass, madam, said the steward, for I know Pedro Perez very well, and he has neither son nor daughter. Besides, you tell us he is your father, and yet that he comes very often to your father's house. I observed as much, said Sancho. Indeed, gentlemen, said she, I am now so troubled in mind that I know not what I say, but the truth is, I am the daughter of Diego de la Lana, whom I suppose you all know. Now this may pass, said the steward, for I know Diego de la Lana, who is a very considerable gentleman, has a good estate, and a son and a daughter. But since his wife died, nobody in this town can say he ever saw that daughter, for he keeps her so close that he hardly suffers the son to look on her, though indeed the common report is that she is an extraordinary beauty. You say very true, sir, replied the young lady, and I am that very daughter. As for my beauty, if fame has given you a wrong character of it, you will now be undeceived since you have seen my face, and with this she burst out into tears. The secretary, perceiving this, whispered the gentleman waiter in the ear, Sure, said he, some extraordinary matter must have happened to this poor young lady since it could oblige one of her quality to come out of doors in this disguise. That is without question, answered the other, for her tears, too, confirmed the suspicion. Sancho comforted her with the best reasons he could think on, and bid her not be afraid, but tell them what had befallen her. You must know, gentlemen, 
said she, that it is now ten years that my father has kept me close ever since my mother died. We have a small chapel in the house where we hear mass, and in all that time I have seen nothing but the sun by day and the moon and stars by night, neither do I know what streets, squares, marketplaces, and churches are, no, nor men, except my father, my brother, and that Pedro Perez the wool farmer, whom I at first would have passed upon you for my father. This confinement, not being allowed to stir abroad, though but to go to church, has made me uneasy this great while, and made me long to see the world, or at least the town where I was born, which I thought was no unlawful or unseemly desire. When I heard them talk of feasts, prizes, acting of plays, and other public sports, I asked my brother, who is a year younger than I, what they meant by those things, and a world of others, which I have not seen, and he informed me as well as he could, but that made me but the more eager to be satisfied by my own eyes. In short, I begged of my brother I wish I never had done a dash, and here she relapsed into tears. The steward perceiving it, come, madam, said he, pray proceed, and make an end of telling us what has happened to you, for your words and your tears keep us all in suspense. I have but few more words to add, answered she, but many more tears to shed, for they are commonly the fruit of such imprudent desires. Thereupon, with broken sobs and half-fetched sighs, sir, said she, all my misfortune is that I desired my brother to lend me some of his clothes, and that you would take me out some night or other to see all the town while our father was asleep. Importuned by my entreaties, he consented, and, having lent me his clothes, he put on mine, which fit him as if they had been made for him. So this very night, about an hour ago, we got out, and being guided by my father's footboy and our own unruly desires, we took a ramble over the whole town, and as we were going home, we perceived a great number of people coming our way, whereupon said my brother, sister, this is certainly the watch, follow me, and let us not only run, but fly as fast as we can, for if we should be known, it will be the worse for us. With that, he fell ill running as fast as if he had wings to his feet. I fell ill running too, but was so frightened that I fell down before I had gone half a dozen steps, and then a man overtook me and brought me before you and this crowd of people, by whom, to my shame, I am taken for an ill creature, a bold, indiscreet night walker. All this was afterwards confirmed by her brother, who was now brought by some of the watch, one of whom had at last overtaken him after he had left his sister. He had nothing on but a very rich petticoat and a blue damask manteau with a gold galloon, his head without any ornament but his own hair that hung down in natural curls like so many rings of gold. The governor, the steward, and the gentleman waiter took him aside, and after they had examined him apart, why he had put on that dress, he gave the same answer his sister had done, and with no less bashfulness and concern, much to the satisfaction of the gentleman waiter, who was much smitten with the young lady's charms. As for the governor, after he had heard the whole matter, truly, 
gentlefolks, said he, here is a little piece of childish folly, and to give an account of this wild frolic and slip of youth, there needed not all these sighs and tears, nor those hems, and haws, and long excuses. Could not you, without any more ado, have said our names are so and so, and we stole out of our father's house for an hour or two, only to ramble about the town, and satisfy a little curiosity, and there had been an end of the story, without all this weeping and wailing? You say very well, said the end damsel, but you may imagine that, in the trouble and fright I was in, I could not behave myself as I should have done. Well, said Sancho, there is no harm done, go along with us, and we will see you home to your fathers, perhaps you may not yet be missed. But have a care how you get abroad to see fashions another time. Do not be too venturesome, an honest maid should be still at home, as if she had one leg broken. A hen and a woman are lost by rambling, and she that longs to see, longs also to be seen. I need say no more. The young gentleman thanked the governor for his civility, and then went home under his conduct. Being come to the house, the young spark threw a little stone against one of the iron-barred windows, and presently a maidservant, who sat up for them, came down, opened the door, and let him and his sister in. The governor, with his company, then continued his rounds, talking all the way as they went of the genteel carriage and beauty of the brother and sister, and the great desire these poor children had to see the world by night. As for the gentleman waiter, he was so passionately in love that he resolved to go the next day and demand her of her father in marriage, not doubting but the old gentleman would comply with him as he was one of the duke's principal servants. On the other side, Sancho had a great mind to strike a match between the young man and his daughter Sanchica, and he resolved to bring it about as soon as possible believing no man's son could think himself too good for a governor's daughter. Chapter 80 Which narrates the success of the page that carried Sancho's letter to his wife. The Duchess, having a great desire to continue the merriment which Don Quixote's extravagances afforded them, the page that acted the part of Dulcinea in the wood was dispatched away to Teresa Panza with a letter from her husband, for Sancho, having his head full of his government, had quite forgotten to do it, and at the same time the Duchess sent another from herself, with a large costly string of coral as a present. Now the page was a sharp and ingenious lad, and being very desirous to please his lord and lady, made the best of his way to Sancho's village. When he came near the place, he saw a company of females washing at a brook, and asked them whether they could inform him if there lived not in that town a woman whose name was Teresa Panza, wife to one Sancho Panza, squire to a knight called Don Quixote de la Mancha, he had no sooner asked the question than a young girl that was washing among the rest stood up, Teresa Panza is my mother, quoth she, that Gaffer Sancho is my own father, and that same night our master. Well, then, damsel, said the page, pray go along with me, and bring me to your mother, for I have a letter and a token here for her from your father. That I will, with all my heart, 
sir, said the girl, who seemed to be about 14 years of age, and with that, leaving the clothes she was washing to one of her companions, without staying to dress her head or put on her shoes, away she sprung before the page's horse, bare-legged, and with her hair about her ears. Come along, if it please you, quoth she, our house is hard by, it is but just as you come into the town, and my mother is at home, but brimful of sorrow, poor soul, for she has not heard from my father, I do not know how long. Well, said the page, I bring her tidings that will cheer her heart, I warn her. At last, what with leaping, running, and jumping, the girl being come to the house, mother, mother, cried she as loud as she could before she went in, come out, mother come out, here is a gentleman has brought letters from my father. At that summons, out came the mother, spinning a lock of coarse flax, with a russet petticoat about her, a waistcoat of the same, and her smock hanging loose about it. Take her otherwise, she was none of the oldest, but looked somewhat turned of forty strong built, sinewy, hale, vigorous, and in good case. What is the matter, girl, quoth she, seeing her daughter with the page, what gentleman is that? A servant of your ladyship's, my lady Teresa Panza, answered the page, and at the same time alighting and throwing himself at her feet, my noble lady Donna Teresa, said he, permit me the honor to kiss your ladyship's hand, as you are the wife of my lord Don Sancho Panza, governor of the island of Barataria. Alackaday, quoth Teresa, what do you do? I am none of your court dames but a poor, silly, country body, a plowman's daughter, the wife, indeed, of a squire errant, but no governor. Your ladyship, replied the page, is the most worthy wife of a thrice-worthy governor, and for proof of what I say, be pleased to receive this letter in this present. With that, he took out of his pocket a string of coral beads, set in gold, and putting it about her neck, this letter, said he, is from his honor the governor, and another that I have for you, together with these beads, are from her grace the lady duchess, who sends me now to your ladyship. Teresa stood amazed, and her daughter was transported. Now, quoth the young baggage, if our master, Don Quixote, be not at the bottom of this. He has given my father that same government or earldom he has promised him so many times. You say right, answered the page, it is for the Lord Don Quixote's sake that the Lord Sancho is now governor of the island of Barataria. Good sir, quoth Teresa, read it me, if it like your worship, for though I can spin, I cannot read a jot. Nor I neither, cried Sanchica but do but stay a little, and I will go fetch one that shall, either the bachelor Samson Carrasco, or our parson himself, who will come with all their hearts to hear the news of my father. You may spare yourself the trouble, said the page, for though I cannot spin, yet I can read, and I will read it to you. With that he read the letter, which is now omitted, because it has been inserted before. That done, he pulled out another from the Duchess, which runs as follows. 
friend Teresa. Your husband Sancho's good parts, his wit and honesty, obliged me to desire the Duke, my husband, to bestow on him the government of one of his islands. I am informed he is as sharp as a hawk in his office, for which I am very glad, as well as my Lord Duke, and return heaven many thanks that I have not been deceived in making choice of him for that preferment, for you must know, Signora Teresa, it is a difficult thing to meet with a good governor in this world. I have sent you, my dear friend, a string of coral beads, set in gold, I could wish they were oriental pearls for your sake but a small token may not hinder a great one. The time will come when we shall be better acquainted, and when we have conversed together, who knows what may come to pass. I understand you have fine large acorns in your town. Pray send me a dozen or two of them. I shall set a greater value upon them as coming from your hands. And pray let me have a good long letter to let me know how you do, and if you have occasion for anything, it is but ask and have. Your loving friend, the Duchess, from this castle. Ah, quoth Teresa, when she had heard the letter, what good lady is this? Not a bit of pride in her. Let me be buried with such ladies, and not with such proud madams as we have in our town, who, because they are gentlefolks, forsooth, think the wind must not blow on them, but come flaunting to church as stately as if they were queens. It seems they think it scorn to look upon a poor countrywoman. But, why you? Here is a good lady, who, though she be a duchess, calls me her friend, and uses me as if I were as high as herself. Well, may I see her as high as the highest steeple in the whole country? As for the acorns she writes for, I will send her good ladyship a whole peck and such swinging acorns that everybody shall come to admire them far and near. And now, Sanchica, see that the gentleman be made welcome and want for nothing. Take care of his horse. Run to the stable, get some eggs, cut some bacon, he shall fare like a prince. The rare news he has brought me, and his good looks, deserve no less. Meanwhile, I must run and tell my neighbors the news. Our good curate, too, shall know it, and Mr. Nicholas the barber, for they have all along been thy father's friends. I do, mother, said the daughter, but, hark you, you must give me half the beads, for, I dare say, the great lady knows better things than to give them all to you. It is all thy own, child, cried the mother, but let me wear it a few days about my neck, for thou canst not think how it rejoices the very heart of me. You will rejoice more presently, said the page, when you see what I have got in my portmanteau, a fine suit of green cloth, which the governor wore but one day hunting, and has here sent to my lady Sanchica. Presently, away ran Teresa, with the beads about her neck, and the letters in her hand, all the while playing with her fingers on the papers, as if they had been a timbrel, and meeting, by chance, the curate and the bachelor Carrasco, she fell a dancing and frisking about. Faith and troth, cried she, we are all made now.
we have got a little thing called a government. And now, let the proudest of them all toss up her nose at me, and I will give her as good as she brings. I will make her know her distance. How now, Teresa, said the curate, what mad fit is this? What papers are these in your hand? No mad fit at all, answered Teresa, but these are letters from duchesses and governors, and these beads about my neck are right coral, the Ave Marias I mean, and the Paternosters are of beaten gold, and I am a governor's lady, I assure you. Verily, said the curate, there is no understanding you, Teresa, we do not know what you mean. There is what will clear the riddle, quoth Teresa, and with that she gave them the letters. Thereupon, the curate having read them aloud, that Samson Carrasco might also be informed, they both stood and looked on one another, and were more at a loss than before. The bachelor asked her who brought the letter. Teresa told them it was a sweet, handsome, young man, as fine as anything, and that he had brought her another present worth twice as much. The curate took the string of beads from her neck, and finding that it was a thing of value, he could not conceive the meaning of all this. I cannot tell, cried he, what to think of this business. I am convinced these beads are right coral and gold, but again, here is a duchess sends to beg a dozen or two of acorns. Crack that nut if you can, said Samson Carrasco. But come, let us go to see the messenger, and probably he will clear our doubts. Thereupon, going with Teresa, they found the page sitting a little corn for his horse, and Sanchica cutting a rasher of bacon to be fried with eggs for his dinner. They both liked the page's mien and his garb, and after the usual compliments, Samson desired him to tell them some news of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza, for though they had read a letter from the latter to his wife, and another from the Duchess, they were no better than riddles to them, nor could they imagine how Sancho should come by government, especially of an island, while knowing that all the islands in the Mediterranean, or the greatest part of them, were the kings. Gentlemen, answered the page, it is a certain truth that singer Sancho Panza is a governor, but whether it be of an island or not, I do not pretend to determine, but this I can assure you, that he commands in a town that has above a thousand inhabitants. And as for my lady duchesses sending to a countrywoman for a few acorns, that is no such wonder, for she is so free from pride that I have known her send to borrow a comb of one of her neighbors. You must know, our ladies of Aragon, though they are as noble as those of Castile, do not stand so much upon formalities and punctilios, neither do they take so much state upon them, but treat people with more familiarity. The curate and the bachelor plainly perceived that the page spoke jestingly, but yet the costly string of beads and the hunting suit which by this time Teresa had let them see, confounded them again. Then, sir, you assure us still, said Carrasco, that Sancho is really a governor, and that a duchess sends these presents and letters upon his account, for though we see the things, and read the letters, we can scarce prevail with ourselves to believe it, 
but are apt to run into our friend Don Quixote's opinion and look on all this as the effect of some enchantment, so that I could find in my heart to feel and try whether you are merely a visionary messenger or a real creature of flesh and blood. For my part, gentlemen, answered the page, all I can tell you is that I am really the messenger I appear to be, that the Lord Sancho Panza is actually a governor, and that the Duke and the Duchess, to whom I belong, are able to give, and have given him that government, where, I am credibly informed, he behaves himself most worthily. Now if there be any enchantment in the matter, I leave you to examine that, for I know no more of the business. That may be, said the bachelor, but yet dubitat Augustinus. You may doubt if you please, replied the page, but I have told you the truth, which will always prevail over falsehood, and rise uppermost, as oil does above water. But if you will a paribus credir, et non verbis, let one of you go along with me, and you shall see with your eyes, what you will not believe by the help of your ears. I will go with all my heart, quoth Sanchica, take me up behind ye, sir, I have a great mind to see my father. The daughters of governors, said the page, must not travel thus unattended, but in coaches or litters, and with a handsome train of servants. Oh, quoth Sanchica, I can go a journey as well on ass as in one of your coaches. I am not of your tender squeamish things, not I. Peace, chicken, quoth the mother, thou dost not know what thou sayest, the gentleman is in the right, times are altered. When it was plain Sancho, it was plain Sanchica, but now he is a governor, thou art a lady, I cannot well tell whether I am right or no. My lady Teresa says more than she is aware of, said the page. But now, continued he, Give me a mouthful to eat as soon as you can, for I must go back this afternoon. Be pleased then, sir, said the curate, to go with me, and partake of a slender meal at my house, for my neighbor Teresa is more willing than able to entertain so good a guest. The page excused himself a while, but at last complied, being persuaded it would be much for the better, and the curate, on his side, was glad of his company to have an opportunity to inform himself at large about Don Quixote and his proceedings. The bachelor proffered Teresa to write her answers to her letters, but as she looked upon him to be somewhat waggish, she would not permit him to be of her counsel, so she gave a roll and a couple of eggs to a young acolyte of the church who could write, and he wrote two letters for her, dash one to her husband and the other to the duchess, all of her own inditing and perhaps not the worst in this famous history, as hereafter may be seen, 